What do you know about the food you eat? What should you know about the food you eat? What are some of the basics we need to understand? My guess is that as a listener to this podcast, you are relatively food engaged. But is that true of the broader population? Do we have the skills to make good choices? Do we have the skills to make good food? The answer is probably not as much as we should. My name is Mike Von Masso, and this is the Food Focus Podcast. My guest this week is Alicia Martin, who's a PhD candidate in the Department of Geography at uh, the University of Guelph, and she spends a lot of time thinking about food literacy. What do, we, what do we know? What do we not know? What should we know? And how do we accomplish that? I think you'll find the conversation really intriguing and engaging. I will go straight to it. Good morning, Alicia. Thanks for taking the time today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to our discussion because this is something that's sort of uh, near and dear to my heart. Uh, and, and you study food literacy. And I think a good place to start is, what the heck is food literacy? <laughs> it's a great question. And uh, it's not something that's fully agreed on by uh, lots of different scholars, but um, food literacy, I guess, in its broadest sense, is our knowledge and skills uh, in relation to food. And in some cases, that's if you're coming from a health outcomes lens, it's more uh, directed towards health. If you're coming from an agriculture lens, it might be a little bit more of an agriculture literacy lens or what we know about agriculture and agricultural production. But it's, it's incredibly broad, and it's still being uh, defined in a lot of cases. So, so is it important that we have a consistent definition of food literacy? That's a great question. <laughs> I think in a policy context, it's a, it's a really important thing to have some consistency. But I think it's also okay to have a very broad definition um, and then to adapt it in different contexts. So if there's a desire to teach food literacy uh, for health outcomes, it definitely makes sense for that to be a little more health focused. But I think uh, having a broad definition that is that incorporates lots of different angles of food literacy and dimensions is probably the best approach. Okay, so yeah, that's that that makes sense to me. So if I'm talking to people in the industry, as you said, agriculture is about helping people understand how we produce food and and why we produce it the way we do. And and uh, th there's always a little bit of, uh, I would say, uh, even tension between uh, people saying, well, we're not happy with that, and agriculture saying, well, that's the way we do it. There's understanding and there's also advocacy. Uh, you talked about the health lens, which I think is important, which is knowing how to choose foods uh, that are healthy. Mm -hmm. Does that also include how to prepare food? Is that an important element of that as well? Absolutely. Um, so when I started, I said knowledge and skills. So food literacy, yeah. uh, when you get really into it and conceptually can get a little bit complicated. So there's procedural knowledge, which is the skills. There's declarative knowledge, which is sort of that knowledge about and knowing of something. And there's also a critical lens too. So our, our 
ability to think critically about things and how that then comes back to influence our declarative knowledge or our knowledge of and how we're actually doing things and our procedural knowledge. Um, But yes, there's definitely skills in there. And it's really important to not forget about those skills because often we try to teach people about things and we don't really teach them how to do things, which food literacy is really an essential life skill. It's not just about knowing about food. It's about how do we actually feed ourselves? How do we, um, how do we produce foods too? Um, there's really important implications for food literacy in terms of uh, traditional knowledge and passing along um, food skills for Uh, especially for Indigenous peoples, but also on the farm. So yeah, it goes a long way in terms of skills as well. Yeah, it's interesting uh, because there's, you know, you talked about traditional and I understand that in in the context of of Indigenous peoples. Uh, But I think it's also important sort of culturally, you know, I think of of some of the things uh, my mother passed away at the start of the pandemic and one of the things I've done is worked hard at learning a lot of the recipes she made at, at family things, right? That that are are sort of culturally comfort foods, if you will. So it's not just being able to chop or know what temperature things need to be cooked to and, and those sorts of things. It's also the skills to make things that are culturally significant to you. 100%, yes. And culture is a really important aspect of food literacy, I mean, it it also has a huge impact, I think, on the development of people's food literacy. I mean, if food is a really important cultural aspect to you as an individual, you're going to really pass that on uh, to your kids. Uh, so it's huge aspect in terms of food literacy. And yeah, passing on food skills and being able to teach the next generation about those recipes and how maybe, I mean... I think about my grandmother and um, and the way she makes her uh, chocolate chip cookies is not necessarily a really cultural thing in particular, but she substitutes a little bit of the butter for coconut oil and it just completely changes how crunchy the cookie is and it's not written into the recipe. So things like that where you can spend some time uh, actually going through and and learning hands-on with someone else and learning those skills and some of the secrets is uh, is really special <laughs> yeah I, I I think I think it is it's it's really sort of uh, you know not only family traditions but remembrance and and those sorts of things becomes an important part even of ritual for many families can you talk a little bit more about this whole concept of critical thinking as an element of food literacy. Why is that important? Critical thinking is really important uh, now in terms of food literacy because we're kind of living in in an era of information overload. So being able to think critically about the information that we're receiving and kind of process that and make decisions based on that is really important. Um, We also need critical thinking Uh, not only for personal decisions and maybe kind of cutting through some advertisements and things like that for personal health choices, but also in terms of food systems and how we can critically get into making some complicated decisions about how things are interacting in the food system, how we want to deal with some possible trade-offs if we're making a decision that's maybe more or less beneficial for certain actors 
and really just working together in an interdisciplinary way and being able to think critically outside of your own sort of box or silo to work with others to work on complex issues. That's a really important aspect of critical thinking as well for food literacy. Oh, okay. So, so it, part of, but you know, there's a difference between sort of as an educator or a researcher, but also as a as an eater, if you will, uh, being able to evaluate information, being able to process information, being able to say uh, this is mm-hmm. crap or this isn't, or yeah. or being able to being able to, and I don't mean to put words in your mouth. You can tell me you can tell me if I'm wrong. Being able to sort of balance some of the conflicting messages we get. You know, we shouldn't eat red meat or red meat is okay or it's okay in moderate quantities or 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 mm-hmm. all of these sorts of decisions. That's is that is that part of it as well so that we can make our own decisions in a in an era where we're bombarded with information? Yeah, exactly. It's it is really just a complicated time to be a consumer and to be able to figure out how to make quote unquote, the right decision, um, and knowing what that might be. So it's, uh, it's, it's really important to be able to think critically, not only about what the different sources of information are, but also what, what you want to do in terms of your values for, you know, say, for example, I'm mostly pescatarian. So I eat vegetarian the majority of the time, I occasionally eat fish and seafood, And then I make critical decisions or I think critically about the decisions that I'm making about where I'm sourcing my fish um, and occasionally when I'm going to make those decisions. Um, And then other times I go, you know what, I haven't had enough protein today and I'm out at a restaurant and I'm going to order some fish because that's just the easy option right now. So I think there's there's a time and a place sometimes for it and and it's never perfect. And uh, just being able to occasionally think critically about what you're what you're purchasing and and how that aligns with some of your values and um, whether that's environmentally or nutritionally, there's lots of different lots of different angles. Yeah, yeah. So that gives me a sense of the breadth a little bit of of the concept of food literacy. Why is it important? Why should we be talking about food literacy? Um, so food literacy, like again, coming back to that information overload, it, it's really important to have a bit of a base knowledge, some of that declarative knowledge, knowing about food and food systems to be able to make some of those decisions. But then coming back to that point about uh, having informed policy and decision makers. Um, so the more we kind of instill some of this knowledge uh, the more we can make better and more sustainable decisions going forward through our own diets and personal choices, as well as through policy. And then that also comes back to nutrition. Like we've had this nutrition transition ongoing for decades and uh, people, and that partially has to do with more and more processed foods coming in and uh, and convenience foods, but there's also uh, a culinary skills transition Uh, that some scholars have been talking about, which has come along at the same sort of time, because as there's more pre-prepared foods, people are less reliant on their own skills, basically. So there's been a bit of a loss of nutritional knowledge and skills because more foods are, are more convenience foods are readily available. So in terms of why food literacy is important, uh, because there needs to be a balance between 
eating some of those pre-prepared foods as well and knowing how to make our own meals and and make some healthy meals at home as well um, and having the skills to do that. So it's about A, giving people the knowledge to eat and the ability to eat healthy, uh, about giving them the ability to evaluate what eating healthy means. Mm-hmm. Is it also about, you know, about making choices, I think that you said align with their values, whether those are, are relate to animal welfare or the environment or, or or whatever, having a good enough understanding of how food is produced that they can make those sort of decisions independently as well. Yeah, exactly. And like coming back to your question about why it's important, it's just we need to sort of have some sort of base to be able to make those decisions. Um, And right now, it's really lacking in our education system. There's not really enough food related education across the curriculum from, and this is more so speaking in terms of K to 12, right, not necessarily at the university level, but it's more and more important to, to start talking about it more because food has such an incredible environmental impact. Um, and it's something that we do multiple times a day in terms of our own eating. So there's lots of angles for us to be able to have an impact on climate change, for example. And, you know, nobody really wants to give up their hamburgers and, and I don't blame them. But maybe reducing that to a certain extent might be a way if you are passionate about the environment to cut back on your CO2 emissions to a certain extent. But if you don't know about that, you're not going to make those decisions. So in terms of food literacy's importance, from lots of angles, from health to environment to food system sustainability, there's lots of ways that individuals can have an impact in their own lives and in in policy and and broader uh, impact of other people's lives as well. And and one of the challenges there is that we often have different people with different views and perspectives and points of emphasis, right? People will say, well, we shouldn't be talking about this because this is important. And, you know, striking that balance becomes a challenge as well, I think. Right. And I think that that's where people's individual values come in. And if we can sort of take that broader approach to food literacy, and I'm going to speak in the context of young people, but an, or anyone in particular, if we, we give them a broader idea of, of food and food systems and not necessarily just teaching about Canada's food guide, then they'll figure out amongst all of that material what is important to them and what they value and then what they want to act on within that broader system or within food in the broader context. And as you were saying, you know, Health Canada is going to promote the food guide and healthy eating and um, and other agricultural organizations are going to promote value in purchasing Canadian <laughs> foods and um, and promoting local and things like that and and you know supporting local farmers. So different organizations have different values and will push different angles of food literacy, and that's okay uh, because at the end of the day, what it's coming down to is food and what we're eating and. Uh, it's good for us to have a broad conceptualization of that. But and and I agree. But if we're talking about say K to twelve uh, food education, food literacy education, 
there there may be some disagreement on what we focus on. There may be some disagreement on content and an interpretation, which is why the critical the critical thinking piece becomes so important. If if you were the food literacy education czar for a year, what would you say are the key elements to put into a curriculum for sort of K to twelve type people? What are the essential elements that that we need to be giving kids? So this is a, a kind of a funny question for me because it's kind of the big question in my PhD, actually, in my research and something I'm hoping to explore a bit more uh, coming this fall. But um, for me, going into that research and thinking about this question more broadly, um, I do think uh, there is a certain amount that needs to be included for health and nutrition and skills and confidence. Right now, what's lacking and I guess to just take a step back to food literacy can't necessarily be covered in one course. Um, in my master's research, I was working with a couple of foods course teachers and what they were saying was just that there wasn't enough time to cover everything. Um, so some were coming at it from a health angle because that was the curriculum it was in and some were coming at it from more of a culinary skills angle. So because it was in a technical education curriculum. So they had to sort of, you know, toe that line, uh, but they couldn't dig into everything. It just wasn't possible time-wise. So I think taking a step back, really, we need to look at how food literacy can be integrated across the curricula. It's not just in one course and not just one mandatory course per se either, because right now those courses are not mandatory. And right now there is a little bit of focus on on Canada's food guide and healthy eating, but there's not so much in terms of food systems. So, and this is where my research kind of comes in is what should we actually be teaching about in regard to food systems? Um, And this is a really hard question because there's lots of different stakeholders and there's people um, within a a bigger ag that would promote a certain angle and people that are more agroecologically focused that would have a very different approach. And I think the approach that education traditionally takes, and I think one that's a good approach in this case, is to really just take a middle ground and present it as what it is. You know, this is the food system from start to finish. These are the different modes of production or types of agriculture and uh, talking broadly about culture and just sort of taking that broad approach, I think is probably a best practice in terms of talking about food literacy because it can get very controversial. <laughs> yeah, and and it, that's exactly right. Where whereas you know skills aren't that controversial, right? You know, no. yeah. I, I always sound like a grumpy old man, but I say, well, when I was in high school, we did get some basic food skills, some you know how to cook, uh, you know. And, yeah. and I think about my son, who's 27, who works downtown Toronto for a bank now, doesn't work in the food industry, but spent a summer working in a restaurant kitchen, uh, mm-hmm. which developed a, an immense appreciation of food, you know, what yeah. range of things you can eat, but also very much his skills too. Like he's better than I am at chopping and, 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 <laughs> and, and knowing what to do with things. And, and that sort of provided him sort of this freedom to explore 
because he can prepare almost anything. He's not nervous. Now we thought we were pretty good at sort of encouraging eating a wide range of foods and, and, and those, and eating as a family and talking about Mm -hmm. where food came from. But for him, I think the real sort of profound, uh, lesson was just look what you can do and, and look how you do it. Yeah. And maybe not just hearing from mom and dad too, right? I'm sure uh, there's, and I think one of the things that I didn't mention about food literacy too, is that it's, it is lifelong. It's not just kind of one moment in time when we learn about, learn about food or learn food skills. We're constantly learning. We're constantly getting better at our skills. We're constantly learning more. Um, I mean, it, food is just sort of like this endless place to learn about anything and everything, especially if yeah. you start going down a food systems rabbit hole. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, and that was something that sort of came out of some of my research and my master's too, was that, you know, education is an important place for food literacy, but it's not the only place The the home, other environments really can have an impact on it as well. So, yeah, and different life stages have influences as well. Yeah. Well, I became one of those insufferable COVID bread bakers during <laughs> uh, during the pandemic. <clears throat> so I'm still learning uh, not only how to do things, but but more about where food is coming from and that sort of thing. And, it's it, you know, for me, I'm lucky that's my job. Mm-hmm. One of the things we see, so you talk and you've advocated and written about sort of improving uh, grade school and high school food literacy curriculum. Are are there other things we can do relative to food literacy? Um, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I think education is probably one of the easiest places to target because it's institutionalized. But I think that there's lots of opportunities within media and things where people are learning about food. There's also all sorts of community organizations that are, you know, going out of their way to, um, to teach people food skills um, and, or, or not necessarily going out of their way, but lots of community organizations that are, their, their purpose is to teach food skills or to teach about food so that people can have these essential life skills there's also opportunities to know, go to the farmer's market and get to know your local farmer and, um, and see what's in season. Or, you know, some of these things have some financial limits for some people, but, you know, getting involved in a CSA basket or community supported agriculture so that you can support a farmer and have that money go directly into their pockets and support their crop for that year. So there's lots of things that way. And, uh, it's a hard question because it it, it can have some endless possibilities and, and we can get more involved in uh, going to restaurants and then looking into some cooking classes and things like that too. Uh, and and yeah. some grocery stores have nutritionists and dietitians on staff so that you yeah. can go ask questions where they'll walk through a store and say, what are you concerned about? And, and here exactly, are some good yeah. choices and developing some meal plans. The last thing I wanted to cover and, and feel free at any time to say, no, that's, uh, th- that's out of my area of interest or, or I hadn't thought about that, but we're getting some significant discussion in the media currently around fund of package labeling. And, you know, the beef industry is saying, well, we shouldn't put a saturated fat 
warning on beef because we've got lots of other, you know, it's a single ingredient. Some, you know, they'll, they'll argue that the fat cooks out of it too. And, it, it, but <laughs> things like front of package labeling are to a degree, either a workaround of poor food literacy or an attempt to improve food literacy a little bit on a specific element is do do you think those am i out to lunch there no 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 absolutely not i think you know food labels are really just a tool to apply food literacy and the more simple food labels can be the less we have to have sort of complex or intricate knowledge to be able to decode what those labels are saying i mean it's it's really hard sometimes to go into the grocery store and actually pick a product that is from Canada sometimes because you don't actually know maybe where it's from. Like it might say packaged in Canada, but then it's like, okay, well then where is it from? But, you know, front of package labeling really is there to help decode some of the nutritional information that's on the nutrition information facts table on the back of that package. So the information is still there. It's just maybe giving the consumer a bit more of a warning on the front in a bit of an easier fashion so that their food literacy maybe doesn't need to be, you don't need to be a dietitian to interpret what you should or should not eat at the grocery store. It just gets a little bit easier. But yeah, food food labels are definitely an important tool for, um, for helping with making some of those decisions. And, you know, reducing a little bit of the burden for learning food literacy in some ways too. Yeah. I've long advocated for bringing food back into school curriculum. And, and I think that there's some, some real value from a, from a broader societal health perspective, from a connection to where food comes from and all of those sorts of things. So I've mm-hmm. taken uh, about as much time as I promised you I would take Is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't or any sort of closing point you'd like to make that, you know, to really uh, that you think is important in the area of food literacy? Yeah, just I guess I would say that, you know, everybody should be able to have a handful of meals that they know how to cook and, and have a basic understanding of the food system. And I think that there's lots of opportunities right now. Um, to make some policy changes to make that happen in school curricula in Ontario, especially, but across Canada, like the, the bill that was proposed in Ontario, Bill 216, or the Food Literacy Act for Students, um, that was, uh, it was making a lot of waves and will continue to make waves. And I think the more that we can kind of keep pushing politicians and keep going on this momentum and advocate for this to be mandatory and included across curricula, the better. And now is really a great time to do that. So I would definitely push listeners to reach out to their MPPs or MPs or even local city councillors about finding out ways that they can support food literacy, uh, education and development in schools and in community programs and beyond. Perfect. Well, Thank you very much, Alicia. I enjoyed our conversation, learned some stuff, uh, and I think it, uh, it was interesting. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks so much. It's
it's clear there's a lot we can do to get people to better understand food, to make better choices for food, and to be more independent relative to food as in, in terms of preparation and acquisition. Thanks very much to Alicia Martin for that conversation. I also want to thank Zach, the producer, who makes us sound good, uh, and all of you for listening. Uh, our audience continues to grow, which is gratifying, and you help by telling others about it. If you enjoy the podcast, please take the time to give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, reviews help others find us and help us to continue to grow our audience uh, and uh, engage a broader range of people. So thanks. Looking forward to the next episode. Talk soon.